Hello and welcome to the Cisco Technology Podcast. It's me, Justin Woolen, and uh, if you want to contact the show, uh, you can contact me by Twitter at Justin Woolen. You can email me, justin.woolen at cisco.com, two O's, one L, and uh, LinkedIn as well. Yeah, we're getting lots of people connected with us on LinkedIn. So um, this is another podcast of firsts because uh, Joachim is here, but not in the room. Yes, we're many miles apart. You're coming in via the power of Cisco telepresence. Um, so by I can video. See very clearly. In fact, I've taken a photograph of you because you look something like the retiring John Watson. So when you uh, when you release, do you know who John? Why are you looking funny? You know who John Watson is. Don't yeah, you? I do. But I was just checking oh, levels at the same him. time. <laughs> you're, you're a lot younger than him. Although it should be said that you're not as young as you were on Monday. No, Tuesday. Well, because you turned. I'm not going to give away your age, but it was your birthday yesterday. Wasn't it was it? my birthday yesterday, and I, and as Cisco are very nice, they give us the day off. So I had the day Did you off. Do anything nice on your birthday? I, I went to pick to you because I know it makes you feel uncomfortable when I sing. No, no, no. Oh, you can sing if you want to. Happy birthday to. Okay, I'll I can edit all this out, by the way, so you can crack okay. on. As, that's number one in the Jock and Jock and Martin times. I'll say I'll edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> Normally uh, we get to five. That's the sort of standard average. Yeah, yeah, it is about five, that. Yeah, five edits, five and then, like, then but I edit some of them out as well, so you don't catch them. Do you? Yeah. All right. Okay. Anyway, you had a really good birthday day off. Yeah, yeah. My daughter took me to the pictures. Because she's off okay. school at the moment. Well, no, she's off. She is now officially... She's finished her studies. She's finished her studies now. She's now waiting for her A-level results. Good luck, Kira. Because if you don't get them, you're not, you're not staying at home anymore. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> you can get out and get a job. So do you want to introduce yourself, Rob? What's your name? Where you come from? Hey, so I'm uh, Rob McGuckin. I'm a new SE on the Enterprise Networking Team. I've come across from the SP environment within Cisco, and I've been in Cisco about four years. What's SP? Service provider. There you go. You can say SP now because we don't do acronyms. <laughs> you have to explain them first. And then we're also joined by not so early in career, Ben Brophy. And this is your hat trick. It is hat trick performance. And, and thank you for uh, not labeling me as early in career, Justin. There you go. Well, you just labeled yourself now early in career. You're, just not, you're, not, you've been, you're a five year veteran now. I am. I'm indeed. You are. Still you are. So um, we're talking about. You, what do you say? He's vintage, I said. You're vintage. I thought that's why. I thought I'm vintage after my birthday on Tuesday. You're, you're in a different category altogether. But it's still really good. I'm special. I leave it as special because <laughs> my mum says so. Um, so we're here to... T- we've been, you know, Ben's been on the podcast before talking about Software Defined, didn't you? And then we were yeah. on again talking about uh, Software Defined Access. Funnily enough, we're talking about S Software Defined again. But this time it's around Software Defined WAN or wide area networks. Uh, we did one of these podcasts a while ago now uh, with Mark and another fella called Lee Davis, who now, fully enough, doesn't work at Cisco. Um, not fully enough, that's that. <laughs> you went off and, and pursued, <laughs> pursued other careers. Can, can you edit that bit out? <laughs> yeah, I think I'll have to now, won't I? Um, and we talked about, we call it IWAN, so Internet WAN, the wide area network, and we've been with that for a while, but now the sort of the market is, is pretty much labelled the new way of doing wide area networks as software-defined WAN, and that's what we're going to explore a bit more today because some there's been some more innovation in, in that space, and uh, we've stolen some content from other, uh, other uh, podcasts uh, as well, which we will talk about. But uh, So that's what we're here today to, to, to discuss. So that all makes sense. Anybody else? Anything else to add in? No, can I can just say that it's really, really hot in this TP room in the city. So, you know, if I'm looking a bit red and flustered, I don't want you to worry. I know that you worry, and that's why I'm just warning you. All right, okay. You're hot and flustered, but you still, your audio sounds okay. and uh... That's all you care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the listeners don't know that. Well, they do know, because they can tell the difference in audio, <laughs> but we told them that. You know, sometimes it's more than just the audio, isn't it? You want to provide a bit more <laughs> of a kind of 360-degree experience, Justin. I mean, I think, you know, you need to think about these things as the leading light of our podcast. Okay, I'll have to remember that one then. <laughs> right, um, so who wants to start then? So the first thing we're going to talk about, so why are we talking about software defined? Why is it such a, what, what, what is causing the market to, I'm, I'm banging the desk, I'm breaking my own laws now of, of, of when you're recording, don't bang the desk. Uh, but what's the, the challenge or what is the opportunity or what are the benefits or what is the market needing? That is requiring the, the industry to talk about our software defined one and look at software. Does that is that a fair question? You're nodding at me, Ben, and, and shake and nodding and yeah, smiling yeah, and yeah. and winking at me. There was about forty five <laughs> questions in the one there, which is, there which is good value. Yeah, I got loads of questions then. 
Yeah, there, there is a, who, who wants to go first? I'll, you first I'll take a stab at it first. So fundamentally, what we're seeing is the, the WAN's changing quite a lot. So if you look at the traffic flows on the WAN, the wide area network, uh, it's not necessarily the normal way to backhaul everything back to a, a central site as most customers do today. We've now got a lot more customers moving out to cloud. And when we say cloud, this can be obviously various different things. It could be infrastructure as a service on the likes of AWS, Azure, other cloud companies are available. And, uh, and we have- Justin's lane. <laughs> Sorry, he's learning. He's, he's, he's a hat-trick performer. <laughs> he's allowed to do oh, things actually, now. Okay, all right, carry on. And we also have uh, software as a service, so SaaS apps as well. Uh, so, so we have to be able to, now that we've had more customers adopting cloud, be able to take the wide area network and start to steer and route traffic much more intelligently. So that is, uh, that's one way that SD-WAN is, uh, is, is able to address some of these issues. And part of the other thing that we're doing is the application aware routing. So it's actually making the, the network more aware of how the applications want to use the network rather than the applications just being told how to use the network. And, that, and that's really important because, you know, gone are the days where it's speeds and feeds. It's all around user experience now. And it's the end user experience that is, that is key to, to driving businesses forward. So the whole SD-WAN is a, is a business architecture decision, not really a technology decision, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. But when you sort of look back at it, you mean, I remember <coughs> doing my, my CCDP and um, yeah, I didn't do my MP. I failed the troubleshooting exam. <laughs> um, uh, but you go through the routing part of it and, and you, you are, you're routing, you're setting your metrics of, of your links and, the, and, and how, when... Uh, a packet or the router is trying to route a, uh, route a packet, it's making those decisions on static things that you, a, a human being, has told the network. Yeah. Not on any of that, well, well, what does the application need? It's just about, this, about these are the metrics I've put on this, this link, and when you're making a routing decision, that is one thing that you will take into consideration. Not an end user experience. What yeah. is the end user experience needed for this, this flow of data to where it needs to go to or come from and then making that, and that's what's driving the decision on which way the router, not router, sends the sends the packet. Does that make sense? Is that is that a fair? No, that's, that's fair enough. And yeah, it, I remembered some things. And it's also about um, ensuring that the business critical applications for your for your business are, are being given the right um, the right usage of the network. If that makes sense. So rather than if a somebody's doing upgrades on uh, on the iPhone or if Microsoft have released a whole new software and then everybody's downloading it once, you don't want that interfering with your business critical traffic. So you want that to be able to be pushed somewhere else and, and you really can't set up everything up so it's policy-based and get those upgrades pushed off onto, say, your broadband network and, and therefore it's not using up vital bandwidth on the MPLS link. Yeah. I think another one as well, just to add, obviously we've mentioned cloud access and we've mentioned applications, <coughs> but as with any business, there's, there is cost and deploying a, a software-defined WAN can rapidly reduce cost in terms of when you look at circuits as well. So, so what are those cost savings then? So one is around being able to have your wide area network to be application aware and make decisions on application performance and end user experience. The other one is you've talked about cost. Yeah. And cost is something that we in, in the IT industry, it gets thrown around, isn't it? Even, all, even for data center, people talk about cost, don't they? And, oh, this new technology will, will save you loads you of money. Mean, what do you mean, even? Even. <laughs> well, well. Yeah, we talk about it. Well, look, at the end of the day, I think when you start with that whole point around applications and data being two fundamental things that customers care about because of, you know, they're fundamental and integral to business, it's very interesting to then see how everything that we do in and around is, is in support of now the end user experience around that application or indeed the security, privacy protection or value that you can get from the data. You know, it's it's... It's sort of founded on both of those things, and so whether you're whether it's a a technology stack, for want of a better description, that sits in the data center, or whether it's out at the edge edge of the network, it's interesting to see the same themes uh, and principles are are you know what we are what we're working to. So so yeah, from that perspective, definitely, and cost is always a fundamental issue, right? We, we've got to be driving uh, cost down. We've got to be more efficient, and that's what drives the whole theme about intuitive around automation, etc. So. 
So as I've always said to you, Justin, you know, there's many things that we do in the data center that eventually make it into your world. So, <laughs> so we, you, we stole, so we sold, we sold, we stole uh, ACI and put that in the in the in the campus, called mm. it S and changed its name, called it SDA, and then we're doing yeah. the same now for the one. Same principles, yeah. Software defined. Software defined started in the in the in the data center, and it's you know gradually making its way out everywhere else. All right then. Fair enough. All right then. You still manage to get DC into every single podcast we do, but that's okay. Um, so when well, you know that's on my you know that's on my radar, don't you? If I don't get to talk about DC, I'm not coming. All right. Okay. <laughs> but the, in terms of the costs, so there's two aspects of the cost. So there's as Ben said, there's there's the one link cost. So do you need two or three or more MPLS links or can you have one and then supplement that with a, a business class broadband or a 4G or 5G whenever it comes along but you've also got the operational costs and these are these are the ones that are really hard to quantify because they're going to be different for different customers and they're going to be different for different skill sets of engineers and they're going to be different for different regions so rather than looking at it in terms of a, a dollar cost it's better to try and look at those costs in terms of a man hour cost so how many man hours can we reduce? So if you're configuring, say some of our, our customers have deployed 6,000 sites, if they have to go and make changes to those 6,000 sites, that's an awful lot of man hours. Mm. Whereas if you can make one change on a policy and then you push that policy to all of those 6,000 sites at once and it does a, a minimum difference before it pushes that, so it looks at the two configs, what, what is there and what you're pushing, and then it'll let you know what the differences are and then when it pushes that difference down, that's gone to all 6,000 sites in one hit. So you don't have that man sitting there making those configurations in one plan engineering works for a number of sites and then doing that over the space of two, three, four weeks. That, that can be done very, very quickly. But you can also schedule it so that it can be done on certain sites at certain instances. So you don't have to push it to all sites at once. But it just gives you that power control and flexibility in reducing those operational type costs. I think the other one within that, sorry, and you might be able to, you might be jumping onto this, but the other point about, you know, relatively uh, low level or straightforward, but, but highly repeatable tasks yeah. are not generally something that us humans are brilliant at doing perfectly. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a margin for error in that kind of manual labor, if you like, or the manual config that, uh, you know, is, is much greater than if you've made sure you got it right first time and as you say, it's pushed out in whatever schedule you want, but yeah. nevertheless, it's pushed out correct first time. But also, we, as humans, we've got a, a favoritism. So, engineer one will like to do something in his own little way that is, or her little way that is different from an engineer two. And therefore, you can actually have, although the, the delivery is the same, you can have slightly different configurations and, and things depending on which engineer has done it. And, and again, you eliminate all of that as well, because then there's a similar look and feel of the config all the way through. And the other part that's really important as well is that you can eliminate dead code. So, so lines of, um, of code that are no longer being used, they're removed. So no longer would you, as your routes are starting to slow down over time because there's configs there from two, three, four years ago that aren't being used. They're all being immediately deleted when you push your new config down. And that again is really important. So it, it sort of gives your, uh, better performance routing over, over the... Is that a bit like how your laptop eventually slows down and grinds to a halt? That doesn't happen with our routers. No, because I use a Mac, so I don't get that problem. So those that use Windows <laughs> will do. <laughs> you can delete yeah, that. <laughs> uh, I'll just show you what I've got over here as well. For yeah. exactly the <laughs> um, so from what you were saying, though, uh, Rob, is, is the thing that stuck out for me was the cost savings will depend on a per-customer basis on because there's multiple benefit... <laughs> Go the on. operational cost savings, yeah. So, so there's two cost savings. There's an op, uh, a cost of savings, capex saving, which would be your your WAN links if you like, and then there's the opex saving, which is the the man or saving if you yeah. like. Um, but isn't isn't yeah. it, isn't opex the opex saving again? Because you generally most customers will buy a wide area network as a service, as yep. a managed service. So it's an yep. ongoing cost. It's, it's a this is a monthly, quarterly, yearly service that I'm buying from a service provider yep. so it's they are both it's interesting because wide area networks do very much are very much a um, both an, it's an operational spend issue is that right or am I, am yeah. I just no it's, it's pretty accurate okay so from an operational cost perspective it is specific per customer because they might do things in different ways yeah okay so right let's have <laughs> we discussed you mean have we described what SD-WAN is already 
I think we described some of the problems, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's let's get into what actually is what is SD one from from our perspective then. So SD one, you can think of it as kind of a it's a, a, a cloud managed uh, way of doing ones with flexible deployment options. So right now, if you if you look at a lot of SD one vendors uh, across the industry, they've got this concept of hybrid one so the ability to take a couple of one links and, and route over them so that's kind of table stakes but really at cisco what we're trying to do is is bring some more uh, use cases and value add so we'll talk shortly around some of the cloud edge capability we have to ex to actually extend sd1 not only from your branch but into into the public cloud and the sas sas applications and also some clever use cases around segmentation so so from a management perspective, it's very, it's very sophisticated in the type of things that you can do, but at the same time, simple to, to deploy. Yeah. yeah. So, so when we talk about software defined, mm -hmm. we always generally talk about some sort of controller. Yeah. yeah. So the controller's doing all the intelligence and telling the, 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 the hardware routing platforms or the, or the switching platforms what to do. So what what so what makes up or what are these these components of a of a software defined one in general and then we can get down how it works for Cisco. Yeah. So from from the component perspective, uh, we we tend to break break it down into uh, what we have on the on your site at your branch, your campus, or your data center, and then what we have uh, that make up the software defined controllers and management aspect. So if we take a look at the branch first of all. What we, what we could deploy is essentially just a router. Uh, it could be any kind of router. It could be a physical router. It could be a virtual router. And then if you work with public cloud as well, we could even spin up a virtual router in the public cloud as well. So, so that kind of takes into account the C's or the customer edge routers, if you like. And then how do we start to control that? So in the traditional sense, what we may do is go around box by box and, and manage that. Okay, and put lines of config on, or we'd get a managed service provider to manage that for us. But now, because we've abstracted a lot of that control to different control points uh, that typically live in the cloud, yeah. I would say 99% of customers do consume it as a cloud service. However, it can be deployed on-prem, and uh, we can talk around reasons why you may want to do that as well. But these controllers live in the cloud, and they're very clever because they can understand the topology, the routing, the security and because they have full visibility of that and because we've abstracted that to a higher layer we have very granular control over what the network does so just just one very quick example if you want to change the network from being um, you know a hub and spoke type network where you send everything back to a, a central data center let's say and you want to send everything from one branch to another branch on the fly very quickly with a policy you can configure that and push that down rather than having to think around how you do that on the network level, tweaking little knobs like BGP, for instance, or using several different policy-based routing protocols. So that's just one example of how you would control the, uh, the network. But, but, but that's, so that's the control part of it. So what are the other components of SD1 that we need to be? So you've got on-prem. Yep. You've got a cloud controller. Yep. Is, is that it? Is that all you need? So, so that that's really all you. That I, I guess we've talked about so far where they're hosted. Yeah. But maybe if we can delve into the different functions of the controllers, that might yeah that yeah. might help first of all because they are separated out. I, I think in essence, you you've got a control plane and a data plane, a customer data plane, and what we do is we completely separate those. So we, we no longer allow uh, or let the control traffic be in the same space as the customer's data traffic, and that just gives the customer much much more secure. Um, data traffic between his his sites. Yeah, so if we first of all, if we t if we talk about how we might want to you know get one of these SD WAN devices on online, for instance, and yeah. part of the fabric, uh, we don't have to have a particularly skilled installer or site. You know, we've got a lot of different sites. We want to get that up and running. We can use a zero touch provisioning and plug and play type setup, whereby we plug the network cable in, we plug the power cable in. And as long as we have an address, we can securely onboard to the controllers that live in the cloud. We mutually authenticate everything via certificates, so security is a key part of this. And then something called 
we're going into a bit of the terminology here of one of the functions of the controllers, but something called the V-bond, which lives in the cloud, will be the gateway, if you like, to onboard those devices. So it's, it's not just one controller do anything. It's more like the, you've virtualized or you've taken those uh, functions of a controller. So you have, yeah. instead of you just saying one, one software-defined one controller does everything, you say, right, I have functions, and each of those functions separate. So you have one, so you have a V-bond. We have a V-bond, yep. So what does, that, what's that, what does that do then? So, so principally, a V-bond is your gateway. So it's how you allow the SD-WAN devices to onboard to the network. So that's part of what we call zero-touch deployment then, is it? Correct. Or zero-touch provisioning. So something... It's a bit like, it's a bit like this podcast today. Am I making lots of noise? You are making a heck of a lot of noise for someone who's not even in the room. Because it's got a creaky seat. It's not my fault. All right. But I'm the point there. If I, I, was, I was going to draw the analogy of, well, normally when I'm in the room with you podcasting, we have a physical bond, but because I'm remote, the TP unit is a free bond. Yes, this is a V bond. I like. I like. I feel that. very bonded. <laughs> God, um, I'll stop moving my seat now because I know it really irritates you. Well, it is because I have to listen things. to it all. I have to because I'm, I'm trying to concentrate on Ben, and all I can hear in my ear is your. No, and I'm, I'm feeling like you're not concentrating on me, so I'm just trying to get your attention. All right, <laughs> God, so neat. You, that's not James. You're in the room. You're as needy as you are away from the room. Absolutely. <laughs> so, anyway, let you get back to Ben. Apologies for the. Uh, what was that? Well, it's all you're talking about, V bond, weren't we? You're talking about V bond, yeah. Yeah, V bond. So, uh, V bond is the thing that the, the the function of a of a software defined controller that onboards them. Yeah. So, it's, so, it's so what are those? The... There's some specific things that it does, though, is there? Yeah. So, so, so that's just one one piece of the puzzle, and whilst we've got whilst we've split these out into different controllers, uh, so you imagine a you know physical router. It's a box, bit of sheet metal that has, as Rob says, a data plane, a control plane, mm. and generally everything's done there. We're able to take a lot of that control out of the, um, of the router itself, abstract that to these different controllers and management systems. So realistically, everything is configured from uh, something called vManage. So all of the different um, controllers that we talk about it's not necessarily the case that you need to go on and configure anything, but it's just important to know the function of them. That's what I would say. So going back to the V-Bond, V-Bond, the function of that is to act as the gateway for zero-touch provisioning uh, of an SD-WAN device coming onto the fabric. And it can also help you as well with um, a NAT, something called NAT. Stop banging the desk. Sorry, I know you don't like that as well. But what I don't like it is that people have to listen to it. <laughs> does it pick it up, does it? Yes, it does. Okay, apologies. <laughs> so imagine that we have an SD-WAN device that isn't connected to something like an MPLS, but it's connected to internet. So you have a, a DSL modem at home. That's typically going to NAT your address, your address um, network address translation. So the, the, uh, the SD-WAN device will get a private IP address, whereas your DSL modem on the outside will have a public IP address. Now that can be quite tricky because if we want to build tunnels over the fabric from site A to site B, if you're sitting behind a NAT with private IP addresses, how does it know how to build the tunnels when we have to route over the internet? So that is another function of VBond. It can help with NAT traversal to allow you to punch through NATs. Okay. I'm uh, feeling, I'm within feeling, I'm fear of my life of moving here because I've got creaky seat syndrome and I'm, I'm <laughs> so if I'm looking a little bit rigid, I know this doesn't appeal to the, to the what? listeners, but where are we going now? This is, this I mean, is, this is turning I mean, into carry on podcasting you, again. You went nads and then I went rigid. Should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. So, okay. So is that everything that the V bond does then? So it's all about onboarding and not Solving. Yeah, securely onboarding the SD-WAN device, whether it lives at your branch, whether it lives at your data center headquarters, or even in the cloud, that is going to be the first point that it's going to talk to. So when it gets an address and calls home, that is. So when so to. when you talk about, it, so the, the part of the provisioning and zero touch provisioning is about a box turning up on site without actually actually having somebody technical, deeply technical person, yep. there to install it. Correct. That's what I mean. So you can have a box turn up, and what you said, connect that. Turn the you take the take the instructions of, take it out the box, plug it in to the power, take an Ethernet cable, plug it in from your WAN port into your ADSL router, maybe, 
plug it in and it will just do its magic exactly it's just like when you receive your your dsl router at home from your your server your internet service provider you don't need to be an experienced engineer to to, to plug that in and get it up and running you just plug it into your telephone line and this I, I is the same, this is the same concept <laughs> you beg to differ I, be, I beg to differ you see justin he's he's helped some learned colleagues of ours set up the networks at home but when i moved recently there was no offer of help whatsoever, and I was left to my own devices. Excuse the pun. And did it work? <laughs> yes. That's because I've become more skilled and more practical. Did I tell you that for the first time ever, I managed to assemble a a, a flat packed sofa, and did it successfully, and it's still standing, sitting. What do sofas do? Do they stand? Do they sit? Anyway, I don't know. I managed to do that. Uh, anyway, I'll move on. No, it's did all right. I'm just pleased you managed to do some flat. And I'm, just, I'm, just still, I'm still upset about that. What, what you didn't ask? I did. You I did. might not have said it directly. All right, so I have to read. I wanted to read, uh, read my thoughts. And that, that's a shout out to David Goff because he moved house and I had to go in and sort his Wi-Fi out for him. Yeah, exactly. And mine's still set up by me, so doubtlessly. Well, it sort of worked because I... I, I um, okay, well, he has got a big house. He's got a big fancy what house. What are you trying to say? No, he's got oh, this big fancy house that, that you have to have, get staff in to do stuff. So mine's a flat and he's got a big house. Now I've got envy on that. Are you not helping? Well, you, you live around the corner from him. I do, yeah. I'm just going, maybe I'll just go around and use his Wi-Fi. You should it's do. It's so special because you set it up. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, where were we? Um, we've yeah, so we've finally got past V Bond. Have we got past V Bond? Have we covered everything? Rob, I'm, I'm looking at you to make sure we're covering everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're being the V-Bond. grounding of, of 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 this of this. Yeah, we we've done V Bond. The other thing that V Bond does that, that's really important is is it'll block any rogue devices from trying to get onto your network. And how does it do that? <clears throat> because when you place your order with Cisco, we um we take the the serial numbers of the devices and we embed that into what we call a whitelist, and that whitelist is pushed to, to vbond vsmart and vmanage and within that whitelist um only what's on that whitelist is allowed on the network so if, uh, if somebody went and bought a, a router off ebay and and tried plugging it into you, your network when it tries to call to, to zpp.fabdella.com it'll have an ip a, a serial number that it'll know if, you, if you're not on that list you're not getting in it's really simple okay so that that sort of really sort of reinforces both from a security perspective and a zero touch deployment, as in yeah. to make it operational cost of setting up a WAN exactly makes it nice and easy and secure. But there you are. You see, Mark Mark's going to be really happy. To, you know, you've got security. secure. Yeah. Yay! You'll be I happy. Knew it would be a security <laughs> angle. I was just waiting for it. Well, he doesn't listen to us anyway, so it doesn't matter. We could say anything about him. Yeah, we could we say do. that he's lovely. We could say that he's not. He wouldn't hear us. No, no, so he never listens. Doesn't listen. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, so okay, we got you mentioned some other other components there, didn't you, Rob? Yeah. So, so, so the, next, the next part after VBond. So once you've been authenticated onto the network, the next part is, is vSmart, and vSmart is um, the brains of the operation. In essence, it's the one that will know the routing tables, push all of the configs down, and know everything that's going on. Um, but in essence, vBond and vSmart are invisible to the end user. And that's really an important thing. The, the, what the end user cares about, and the only thing the end user should log into, is vManage. And that's your single pane of glass to control everything. And that's where we, we write what we call policies and templates. So when you write your template and you assign that to, to the vEdge that's coming on, that's your day one, day two configs, if you like. So that's when you, you can push those down and then Policies are, are your routing policies that you would write in the way that you want your traffic to traverse the network. Okay. And so they so they they come. So what about, so what does vManage do then? From vManage is your single pane of glass for operational requirements. That's where you get all your alarms, all your performance stats, your DPI info, yeah. your D, deep packet inspection information. Sorry, you're just looking at me for doing another yeah. acronym without explaining it. And well caught though. Yeah, yeah, you've recovered that. Some, some people, there's a really awkward silence, and he stares at them with his evil eyes, and then he, <laughs> then he corrects them. But you, you're, you're doing well. And uh, so that that's kind of a traditional um, network management suite, if you like. That that's that's the age-old single pane of glass that you look after your full network. Um, that's what the user gets access to. Oh, Justin, 
Just yeah. when I heard that phrase, single pane of glass, I was reminded that we, we can't forget our new features. I know, no, no, we can't forget. Yeah, I remember that. And funny enough, when he said it, that's why I pulled the funny face because I went, ooh, that's one of the... So we have a feature, for those of you who haven't listened to so we've only just started it, so go back and have a listen to a previous podcast. Long-running feature. Well, yeah, yeah, of about two podcasts. Of, right. uh, well, what is, is what's your, uh, what's, your favourite swag? that you would drop? Well, oh, what's, okay, well, no, okay. You start. You're the boss. So what is, what's your favourite, co- from conference a conf- swag. conference swag? And then yeah. the other one is, what's, what techie phrase uh, would you get rid of if you could or do you hate and we only picked up on it because a previous um, participant in the podcast did say single pane of glass and you said it can't remember if it made it into room one or not but I think it, oh, I, I don't know we should do an alarm every time it comes up or something. Oh, I don't know <laughs> yeah something like that what you can yeah. do is I can bang the desk which will have two things one it's like an alarm and it'll have the added benefit of annoying Justin on the podcast <laughs> there you go bang the desk right oh god so we don't did we talk about v-manage did we finish that did we as a single pane oh, of glass stay with it Justin so, yeah, so v-manage, v-manage is, is the whole user experience that that's where the the guys in the operation centers will absolutely drive and and understand their network from okay yeah and just to further add clarity to that there there really is no reason at all to hop onto the cli of no. the sd1 devices that sit your branch your data center etc but they, they sorry. command line interface thank yeah. you thanks um so that's been the traditional way of operating stuff there is a cli there and it can still be useful for troubleshooting purposes but Realistically, in any true SDN solution, you want to be able to configure something centrally. And that's exactly what the vManage is for. You really want a single source of truth. So that's where you'll hop onto. And like Rob says, the vBon and vSmart, they have very important functions, but it's just important to appreciate the functions. Again, you wouldn't need to log on to the vBond or the vSmart. Everything is driven from vManage, the whole solution. Yeah, what SD1? Is trying to do with with the vManage and with the user interface is abstract away as much complexity as possible, but still giving the user the ability to have a, a single point of reference to control the network from, and do something once and allow it to be simply replicated by the machine interfaces rather than a human interface. Because as we get tireder and are more tired, we we tend to make mistakes and the machines just don't don't do that. Okay, so. So that's the components. So the components are you have the the routers. So those routers can be, because um, the one thing you did mention early on, Rob, you did say you just say that ZTP at dot uh, gov, and this basically well, that's uh, what we're talking about today, isn't it? We are talking about Vitella because we acquired them. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and that has now become Cisco's flagship SD WAN solution. That's right. Yeah. So there we go. Maybe you should, I'll edit that at the start of the podcast. Then maybe. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and and it's called Cisco SD One now. The the brand Viptela has been um, removed, so it's all been referenced now in the marketing material and and online as um, Cisco SD One. We have SD1. a habit of doing that. We have a habit of doing that. Is we take things that got quite cool names and then we give them names that aren't really that cool at all. Yeah, and uh, and it was. It was Can that say in the podcast? That's just a dissent. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure if it was funny when we were up at IP Expo. Are realistic, pragmatic people, Justin? They must be. So you know, I think we just need to acknowledge that when it comes to product names, we are not as good as some of the organisations that we bought. Okay. Well, I must admit, though, it must be an industry trend because when we were at IP Expo, every booth had their name and SD One below it. There was nobody yeah. with any any sort of funky, interesting names anymore. There were everybody had kind of been. Somebody's had their marketing teams let loose on it and, and made it all <laughs> strategically simple, industry wide. Um, yeah, so we have, uh, so yeah, we talked about Viptela, uh, and that's part of the, and that's our, yeah. so that's what we talked about. So we yeah, don't exactly, do yeah. IWAN anymore. We do, we just do Viptela, which is SD1. Is yeah. that a fair thing to so, say? So you can think of Cisco SD1 based on Viptela as that enterprise grade SD1 solution from Cisco. That's probably the best way to think about it. Okay. Uh, there, there is Meraki as well, just do have an, an SD1 solution. And that's based on the Meraki MX. But fundamentally, when you when you come down to it, it's very use case driven. So it really depends on what the customer wants to do, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's how you basically decide. Okay. And so we have the uh, a V Edge, which is your router, which could be software. 
Yeah. Because so it could be a virtual router that could be running up in a cloud somewhere, or it could be actually running on a a server yeah. or some sort of x86. There you go, talking about servers again on a UCS box, maybe. Um, yeah, so or a Hyperflex. No, maybe about it. So the always. <laughs> By the way, can I just ask one question? One of the disadvantages of, of only being a, a V-Bond today and being remote is I can't see the menu. How, how are we doing on our menu, Justin? We're, we're on point four, I think we're just about to get to. Of yeah, three, 20. <laughs> I see. It's all gone to plan then. Yeah, yeah. it's all gone to pot, <laughs> as always, on every single podcast. Um, so uh, the components are the edge, uh, but it also that could also be a traditional Cisco router as well, can't it? In the future, we'll, um, we'll be extending SD-WAN capability to the ISR family and the ASR family. So, essentially, the Cisco routing portfolio. So, does that mean an ASR can become like a V? Because they're usually hub routers, aren't they? Yeah, and they would still be very well positioned as a hub router. But if a customer really wanted to do SD-WAN with their traditional estate, so let's say that their customer already had some ASR routers, they can take this image and upgrade, upgrade, it, upgrade, upgrade it, and there's no rip and replace. So okay, that's really nice. Okay, brilliant. So you got V Edge that could be uh, virtual, physical, as in a Viptela router yep. or a ISR. Um, you could also do um, what is it now? Oh yeah, then so we have V Bond, uh, V Manage, and V Smart. Well, remember, right. yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's all the components. There you go. Right, great. So they're the components we've done that. So next thing on, you, you, so where are we going, going from here then? Where are we going from here? So should we talk about perhaps once the V-Edge is onboarded to the network? Yeah, so we're talking more like day two, day three, day four now, is it? Yeah. yeah. So let's okay. talk about some of the things that you can do in terms of the fabric. So maybe, first of all, uh, I know the word fabric and overlay is uh, it, it, a overdone. that's overdone <laughs> in the industry. Uh, but uh, now fabrics in DC as well, just to catch Jochen <laughs> while he's doing his text. I'm just making notes because this is a learning experience for me as well. It, it, this is a very di- yes, I'm learning from this experience as well. <clears throat> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Thank you. So, so from every V edge, we have a control connection to all of the different components that we mentioned. So the V smart, the V bond, and the V manage yeah. for control traffic. And by default, just for high availability purposes, we will build. So are they, are they just different tunnels? So you'd have three separate different tunnels yeah. going to the V bond, V manage, V edge. Yeah, but purely for control. Traffic. Just control. So you have three yeah. control tunnels. Yeah. Going up. Yeah, uh, and you can be very specific on where they go as well. So, for example, some customers might want to put all of their control traffic over a private network such as MPLS and build all of their data traffic using IPsec over the internet and in that way you can be you know very very secure but by default the solution will build control connections over any available transport that it has. so so as well as you you could say if you've got m- multiple uh one connections whether it's mpls 4g uh, internet your control traffic can be managed in exactly the same way in the sense of i can just have my control traffic going that way my data traffic's going that way yeah, yeah, you can be very granular with uh, with where it goes, but by default, it will build control and data tunnels, if you like, over any available transport. So in that effect, I suppose you could say it's a fully mesh solution. Um, so for instance, if we have two branches, uh, by default, we'll build an IPsec tunnel between those two branches. Okay, We'll also build it back to a hub site as well. So in that effect, it is fully meshed. But there are some customers that may want to change that routing based on a specific application. So they can absolutely do that. They could send voice directly, but then for another application, they could you know, maybe send it back to a hub for inspection or a firewall, or maybe they want to send it out a direct internet exit directly to that SaaS app, maybe Salesforce. So you have an immense amount of control now on where your applications are routed. Mm-hmm. And it's not a case of identifying those applications based on things like IP addresses and port numbers, because we take a SaaS app, for instance, we all know they run in a web browser, so it's not good enough to identify everything based on port 80, let's say. So uh, that's why you need a, a very granular and intelligent deep packet inspection engine to identify the traffic and then have a very intelligent way of routing the traffic. So does every router, do, is that where all the inspections happening actually on the V-Edge? So yeah, you're absolutely right. In order to categorize the traffic, 
and identify the traffic, that will be happening locally on the V-Edge, that will be enforced locally. However, if you wanted to change any type of routing in the network, that will be executed at higher layer at the vSmart. Because remember, the vSmart is the, the brains, as Rob said, it's the SDN controller, and that understands everything. That understands all of the V-Edges, the transports, the topology, and from that, it can, via the policies, change things like next hops to influence the routing underneath. Uh, so rather than, again, you having to think about how you do that on a per-site basis, and have a look at your routing tables, which would be mm. quite hard to visualize, especially if you've got lots of disparate sites. You, again, do it via policy at a much higher layer. Okay, very good. So what else do we need to talk about then from a... Maybe one, a good one, could be some of the segmentation aspects. Okay. I know segmentation's a Everybody talks about Everyone yeah. talks about Everyone it. talks about segmentation. Yeah, we have segmentation <laughs> in data center. <laughs> That was a thumbs up for the listener. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, have it in data center. We have it in uh, in the campus as well with our software defined access solution. But we also have it across the WAN. So if you want to segment different lines of business, uh, you can absolutely do that with something called a VPN. And when we What's say VPN stand for virtual private network. Thank you. But in uh, in SD WAN speak, you can think of VPN as a VRF. I'm sorry, that's Ooh. another acronym, but... Which stands for Virtual Routing Forwarding. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Oh, stop showing off, Justin. <laughs> You're doing well. <laughs> so you could allocate a VPN label to a line of business. So, for example, could be corporate, IoT, could be... You could put guest Wi-Fi, for instance, in, in, a, in a separate VPN and make sure it's segmented and dropped out there over the internet. You may never want your guest Wi-Fi to go over MPLS. In fact, probably nobody wants that at all. So it's, uh, it's quite nice to extend that segmentation that you already may have in your data center or in your campus right across the WAN and to the branch. And also it's very simple to configure. So fundamentally it's based on principles of MPLS VPNs that service providers may use, but without the complexity. That's the best way I would describe it. Yeah. Rob? Sounds good to no, me. No, uh, Ben's just hit the nail on the head really with it. Thank He's you. getting there. He's uh, <laughs> so much for early in the career. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there any more things? I mean, to, from a security perspective, so we talked about segmentation there, haven't we? But from a security, what are the security things that are are needed, or or, or does this SD WAN solution bring that, that? So, security covers a a multitude of of sins. So there's um, there's not just the security of your your data traffic, your customer data traffic, or the security of your control traffic. There's also the security of if you're putting this in the cloud, which cloud are you going into? So AWS or Azure or Google, which of their security profiles are we conforming to? So you have to conform to their security profiles. So for AWS best practice, for instance, and, and Azure and Google have got the same. So some of the other stuff that we have to do is um, we need from the customer their public IP address from whichever office their operation center is in and also their, their VPN so their management staff or their engineers are off-site and VPN into the network. We enter those into the AWS security profile that we build as we're building it and then only when you're on those um, networks that have those public facing IP addresses can you log in into that, that network. So when we give you the, the URL that, that you have to click to log into um, vManage, if you're not on those network, you will just come up with a blank page which says um, site unreachable. And again, that's really important to understand that that is a, a very high security profile as well that you have to be on. Then you've got the, the security that we spoke about earlier on. And now we're also starting to introduce some of the, the new Cisco security processes such as Umbrella. Um, so is that built in into the V-Edge as well? So as the traffic's traversing, it goes straight off to um, umbrella checking all, checking all the, the, the DNS entries and everything like that and then yeah. before that before make sure they're okay before the, that V-Edge will actually forward on any packets yeah yeah absolutely and, and that's great for obviously you know <coughs> direct internet traffic so what you could do as you rightly said is you could do it based on DNS or you could actually create a tunnel to a web security gateway like umbrella that sits in the cloud where you put all 
internet traffic. So you just send all your internet data yeah. to just to umbrella everything. So it just checks every everything then. Yeah. It becomes it becomes like a web. Yeah, that, that that's yeah. essentially what it is. I mean, you can think of it as a, web security yeah. appliance, but a yeah, cloud based like, one. a bit like a, a proxy, but in the cloud, yeah. if you like. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So that's a lot of security we talked about. So we've got fabric, segmentation. We talk about because um, that's in there as well. Is is the zero touch deployment piece as well, which is which is hugely important. And having that certificate based. Yeah, and security obviously is a big part of that. We probably didn't touch too much on that, but but the whole solution is based on mutually authenticating certificates. So every single component authenticates each other. So the when the the V Edge comes on board, it will be mutually authenticated with a V Bond. When the V Bond and the V Smart come on board, they will authenticate each other. And when the V Manage comes on board, again, they will all mutually authenticate mm -hmm. each other with certificates. So okay. in that fashion, it's um, it's actually pretty secure um, as well. Okay. So cloud is something we, we talk about a lot, and obviously Joachim likes to talk about cloud as well. I do, yes. <laughs> just, <laughs> just I just, I know my place. <laughs> So where does where does um, sort of so this can be delivered in different ways? You talked about on-prem, off-prem. So I'm assuming it can be delivered as a as a cloud service just from from Cisco. Yeah, yep, yeah. That, that's right. Uh, another squeaky chair. That was a very squeaky. <laughs> that was the squeakiest one so far. Yeah, yeah I'm be so, trying not to squeak. I know, and you squeaked a lot. You did a little Tommy squeaker. <laughs> so basically, when you. I don't know, I don't know that. <laughs> So basically, when you place the order with it, with Cisco, what happens is we build the cloud infrastructure for the customer. So we build the, the vBond, vSmart, and vManage. That then becomes operational. We provide the customer with the, the link that allows them to log in to vManage to, to drive the network. And then we, we ship the, the vEdge or uh, the ISR, ASR routers to, to the customer so the for customer, him to deploy. So that's... Or her. Yeah. So that's interesting because then, sorry, I'm too far from my own microphone here. Yeah. But that's really interesting because then what, what the customer really just goes, I'll buy, I'm going to buy Cisco's SD WAN solution. Yeah. My V bomb, my V smart, my V, my V manage, manage get set up. Yep. In the cloud, in the cloud somewhere. Which cloud are we in? So, so that's really key actually because depending on what region you are, whenever you're ordering it, you dictate to Cisco where you want that cloud infrastructure built. So if you're in Europe, you would want that built in Europe. If you're in the US, then you want to build it in the US. And then we can tell you which data center that is in within Europe as well, if you wanted to. So Can you get down to say, I want that data center in Ireland, or I want it yes. in Germany, or it? Yeah, absolutely. And that and that's important for the new GDPR. And, and we're only in AWS, are we only in? No, we're in AWS, Azure, and we're soon to certify against Google as well. Oh, there we go. We like Google. Do we like Google, Joachim? <laughs> we like Google a lot, actually. We've got a, a strong partnership with Google around Google Cloud, Cloud Platform and a, a container platform, which... Maybe we should talk about our podcast on Monday. Deserving of a whole new podcast. Oh, we could get... What's his name on it? Who? We could invite him back. Well, on. He's not, he wasn't on before he left. Well, okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry, digressing again. Um, okay, so we're on AWS... Azure and soon to be on Google as well. So yep. that's great. And you can dictate which one you want to be in. Absolutely, yeah. Great. And we have, we have customers who have got partnerships with which one or the other, and then they will prefer one or the other. Okay, great. Um, so is there anything else to talk about from an infrastructure? So I, I think the one thing we haven't spoke about is time to market. Oh. Because the whole ZTP, sorry, I'm, 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 I won't say ZTP, it kind of, it's two movies. So the whole the whole thing with ZTP and everything else is it it really gives you that ability to, to increase your time to market or to bring your time to market down really quickly. Um, so we had a, a workshop last week with some some customers and one thing they were talking about was they have pop up sites, and it is so hard for them to get a router, get on site with their their points of presence and their points of sale and their their marketing material and everything else, for them to have a a four G connection or a um, an internet connection and just to be able to put a router on there and it calls home and has its config pushed to it and to them within a minute it's as if they were on their corporate LAN is really key for them it gives them so much more flexibility so much power within those events that it allows them to push a much better um, marketing message to their customers at those events and that's really key and, uh, and that was one of the motor companies that we were speaking to last week that, that were really keen on it okay brilliant um, 
So what? What about, have we covered everything in the portfolio yet? Because I know we talked about some like the ISRs are on there now, or will be yeah. July. We could. There's some more stuff around cloud. If Go on, you, keep if going you about cloud hear, then. Here around that, yeah. yeah I know. I know. Joachim would. <laughs> well, I'm not <laughs> so Rob talked about where the controllers are hosted in the public cloud, and that's from the controller perspective. But you could also take a virtual vEdge and stick that in the public cloud as well. And in that effect, what you're doing is you're extending your your branch or your data center that fabric right into the public cloud. And what's more is you don't even have to go into the marketplace of that cl public cloud platform, order it, configure it, build the tunnels. Because we actually plug in via APIs through vManage into those public cloud platforms, we can orchestrate all of that for you. So that includes the instantiation of the vEdge cloud itself and the building of the tunnels. So if you have multiple cloud instances around the world, that can be massive. What, so if you, so I'm trying to get to the, and understand a bit more, why would you want to put a virtual router in, into a, a cloud service or to a cloud that you've just bubbled? That's a really good question. So we, we find a lot of customers, clearly they are moving to public cloud for various different reasons. They might have a website there, they might have the applications there, they might have a bit of a hybrid setup so they might have some apps living on-prem in their data center and some in the public cloud as well. So what we want to be able to do is, um, from if you think from a user perspective, all the real, all really the user care about is that application, right? So whichever cloud it lives in, private, public, it shouldn't really matter to them. And what we can deliver by having a vEdge on-prem in your data center and a vEdge in the cloud is exactly the same path control telemetry across any network. And because of that, we can always make sure that we route it over the best links. And from a user perspective, they always have the best experience to, to access the app. That's fundamentally what it comes down to when you extend it into the cloud. Because I, I think what a lot of people see is arguably that the public cloud is, is someone else's, you know, domain, it's totally different, it's totally separate, we can't touch and feel it. But in actual fact, we, we can, right, because it's infrastructure as a service, we can still deploy software there, and we do have control over the other end to an extent. Yeah, I, I, would, I would echo that, you, you know, it's, it's, people often think of it as an either or, mm. you know, you think you either do something here or you do it there, you know, here being private cloud, there being a public cloud, and the reality is that most customers uh, you know, will will access services from a variety of different places, whether it's as a software as a service, whether it's you know raw infrastructures you talked about, or other analytics-based services, or whether those applications and workloads that they're running in-house, so to speak, and every combination uh, thereon. So, so what's really really important is that everything that we build and 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 um, innovate around and bring to market, etc., has got that kind of what I would call multi-cloud domain very much in mind because you're, you're quite right it's absolutely all about the end user experience and then all the aspects of that that supports it from a security policy you know experience etc so uh, yeah it's, it's interesting and I was I have been paying attention that is a learning experience from because it's really you know some many of the things that we talk about as being relevant you know we, we've talked about ACI anywhere which is the exact same concept of taking what you can do around policy automation in the data center network and extending that out to multiple clouds and then you know it's a lot of the same sort of principles and theories that we're talking about here so uh, yeah that's interesting good yeah good stuff. I've, I've sort of i've heard sd1 explained before as um as the one has now been innovated the way the data center was 10 years ago if not a little yeah. bit more you know and, and this is the first time there's been a fundamental change in the one in maybe 15 20 years See, I told you, Justin, starts in the data centre. <laughs> <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Don't go in a half now, just because you're off screen. Oh, dear me. Um, just trying to get, I'm just, I'm just conscious of time now. Cause did... so, so I think the one thing that we didn't mention about the the cloud vEdge is, I think you did mention earlier on that it can be deployed on any x86-based platform, but you can deploy that on a UCSE server that would be sitting inside a an ISR 4K. You can uh, deploy that on a ENCS platform, which is our new uh, x86-based um, router and server sort of platform. And you can also deploy it on a UCS C-Series and the CSP2100s. So all of those platforms can run what we call NFVIS, which is our new operating system. 
and therefore the customer again gets that similar look and feel experience across the Cisco plan family portfolio, and that's okay. really important and key for the customer. Okay, similar it looks look really, and feel. really brilliantly on the UCSC series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and if I may, I know we're short for time. On the cloud side of things, more cloud stuff, Joachim. So we we talked around infrastructure as a service there in the public cloud. But remember, we've we've got uh, software as a service as well. So we've got SaaS apps. Mm. But many, you know, pretty much every customer I speak to has got some sort of SaaS app they're using, whether it be Office 365, Salesforce, Box, ServiceNow. The list goes on and on. The problem with that, in the most part, is that whilst there are some ways around it, uh, you generally just get access to a web page. You don't have control of the infrastructure on the other end with SaaS generally. So if we take something like I'm just pick on one, you know, um, ServiceNow or Salesforce, for example. How to how can we guarantee that the user always has the best experience of accessing Salesforce from the branch site? And that's a really challenging thing to do because we can't take the vEdge now and stick it on the other end to do the path control like we would with IaaS. So the way we get around that is is quite interesting. And from every vEdge over every transport, every link, we will simulate an HTTP connection to that SaaS app. So that simulates a user logging into Salesforce, for, in, for instance. Okay, And then from that, on every vEdge that you have around your network, we're able to generate a score. And this is called a... So, so basically what you're saying is that every from any location that a user might access a cloud, a software as a service application, yep. you will run a connection to it, whether they're using it or not, to be able to measure the performance of that connection to that software. Yeah, so you would, first of all, you would have to turn this on. So you would have to make, well, you would have to make sure that, first of all, you you, you do have users using this SaaS app in the first place, so you have to turn it on. And then once you've turned that on, it will monitor and send probes to that SaaS app and generate a score based on one to 10. And so, so what it would then do, so if you've got, I don't know, 10 branches and you can have 10 branches, one on one, one on two, one on three, it will always, then go, right, I now have a score for these 10 branches where I can access my salesforce.com from and be able to then take the best route based on user experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. So you might think from a branch site, the best way to Salesforce would be to go out the internet exit, right? To yeah. go direct. However, if you had a better quality of experience score from a colo that's carrier neutral or high bandwidth links or maybe from a, a data center, why not use your fabric yeah. at your disposal, route it out there, and you'll have a better user base, uh, a okay. happier user base. That's really the principle. Is there anything else we need to talk about? I think we're done from the cloud side, aren't we? Oh God, we're on cloud. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sold on happier user base or happy user base. That That is the golden elixir, isn't it? That's so, what we want. So we've, we've talked about Roadmap, haven't we, in the sense of yep. integration, doesn't it? Um, portfolio, then. Do we need to talk a bit more about that? Yeah, I, I guess that kind of ties into um, to what we're announcing in July. So you have a pretty wide portfolio, depending on what you want to do. So we have the vEdge, of course, and the, the vEdge is a fantastic SD-WAN mm. box. It supports Ethernet. It builds the tunnels, does a great job. We're also extending this to the ISR and ASR routing family as well. So we'll have an iOS XE SD-WAN image that you'll be able to use on these routers. But not only will you get SD-WAN, but you'll get some other features built in, like the application hosting and the firewall, etc. Plus the ability to connect to different transports. So obviously on the, the routers we have cards where you can plug into Ethernet, T1, E1, DSL, 4G. So you have much more of a branch in the box there as well. But, but I think the important thing to understand is Next month, we're not rolling iOS XE out to all of the platforms because there's just too much testing involved. There are a select number of platforms that we're doing for next month. Then there'll be some more added in November and then ex further on in, into into FY or calendar year 19. So really do talk to your, your Cisco account teams and, and find out which products are, are relevant for, for your business and if we've covered those off in the, in the next six months. Um, because it's important that we make sure we've got the the right set and we don't think that customers can, can put the iOS XE SD-WAN code onto any router. Okay, so just something to be aware of then. Yeah, just okay. exactly, yeah. So if customers want to find out any more about SD-WAN from Cisco, where would they go? 
Cisco.com forward slash go forward slash SD-WAN. So there's a number of places. I would still recommend to go to, um, for the time being, to go to Viptela.com because there's a number of really good white papers that are on there. So it's um, Viptela.com forward slash support. There's the white papers. There's some um, labs in there that customers can do as well, which are really good. There is some user experience uh, quotations in there. Uh, if you've got a Cisco Live account, there's some fantastic um, sessions on Cisco Live uh, that you can go on and look at. Also on the Cisco YouTube channel, there's quite a few um, po uh, what do you call them? webinars and things in there in, that customers can go and look at as well, as well as on on the Cisco.com website. So if you go on Cisco.com and just search SD WAN, it'll bring up uh, quite a lot of information, white papers um, and um, other other information that's very very useful for for customers who. We have a, a breadth of knowledge. It can take you from not not knowing anything about SD WAN right down into the bits and bytes of it. So that's really important and good to look at. Okay, I will just add on to that as well. We, if customers want to actually test drive it and get hands on with it, we do have SD WAN labs that are in D Cloud as well. And so if you want to reach out to your account teams, we're more than happy to share that with you. Um, you know, it could be for up to a week, and you have a fully working SD WAN solution there where you can add impairment into the links to test policies and, and things like that. So don't think that it's all kind of, uh, you know, data sheets and smoke and mirrors. You, you can actually start to test drive this and try it yourself as well. Yeah, there we are. All right then, guys. Um, thanks very much for, thank Joachim, thanks. For, what are you looking uh, at for? Listen, you've, you've forgotten something. Oh God, yeah. Um, right, thank, look at your year, Joachim, isn't it? Right, <laughs> right. Uh, what's just, your favorite? Just tell you why, because Ben just came out with one of the jargon um, that we, I think, has been busted already. Oh, God, yeah, okay. Oh, did I? Anyway, yeah. so, should we do... Are we, are we, <laughs> so, what's your, guys, so what's your favourite, what's your not, what's your least favourite tech, what would you, what was, what do we call it, tech saying? Tech, well, it doesn't have to be tech. Jargon, 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 yeah. What's your, what's your... You would bin. I'm saying it's your least favourite, either corporate or tech jargon that you would bin, i.e. send to room 101. Well, Rob already said it though. <laughs> single pane of glass. glass. Sorry, but that's two votes for that then. That's fine. That's fine. So you picking that one? Go on, Rob. What's yours? I don't know. I don't really have any to be honest. With you. It's kind of we keep getting that. When will <laughs> somebody will answer and somebody will go? I don't know. I, and well, I was the same. I've done that. I've been doing. I've been doing this so long. I kind of switch off to it all now. It just goes in one ear and out the other. The ones you don't like don't register. It's kind of whatever. All right. Okay. Um, and what's your favourite conference swag? That you've got you know when you go to a conference oh. again oh what did i have that was really good i think i had one of those nice flasks flasks yeah. oh i got one of them yeah keeps your drink cold warm those kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not I just another t-shirt the other thing i got i was at a thing last <laughs> week when i got one of those uh, copper induction flasks or whatever what did you call it a thermos I don't know, it's got copper in it and it keeps, oh, it's a copper i thought you said something it, else it, 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 it keeps steady on. It keeps um, it keeps cold things cold for tw uh, forty eight hours and hot things hot for twelve hours. So it's like a super duper vacuum plant. Oh wow! One of them, and then the other one was again. This was last week, so it's topical. Was one of these um, multi uh, USB chargers. So you know when you're at home and you're, you're like I don't know about you, but my my kids well, they'll literally rip out the cable that's charging their uh, some you know one of their siblings' device and plug in their own because obviously theirs is a priority. And now you've got one of these one that's got six of them all lined up so they can all charge at the same time. So I'm super excited about that. Thank you very much. You right, I've just come up, I've just remembered one that, that uh, does not Always comes out. We shouldn't work harder, we should work smarter. Oh, that yeah. one really gets under my yes. skin. <laughs> Right, thanks very much for listening to the podcast. Um, if you've got any questions, like I said, you can um, contact the podcast via LinkedIn, at twi Twitter at, at Justin Woolen, and you can email me at justin.woolen at cisco.com to us now. Um, hope you've enjoyed the podcast, uh, and hope you, if you've got any any tech any tech uh, jargon you want to get rid of and stick into Cisco Room 101, let us know. And also let us know what your favourite swag is as well. All right, thanks very much for listening. I have become a train spotter, yes. The latest episode of Macro is here. And in this instalment of Cisco's innovation podcast series, we're riding the railways to get the lowdown on Project Swift, Cisco's connected train solution. There's one place where we still remain stubbornly unconnected 
and, and that's on the train. So I think the possibilities are enormous and we can't even imagine the way we'll be travelling, you know, in 10 years' time when we've got high-speed connectivity on the train and what kind of services we'll be consuming, you know, what kind of retail opportunities it creates, you know, how much work will get done. So absolutely, it, it, it will change the world because it will connect the last unconnected place. You'll find Macro wherever you usually get your podcasts. And if you're feeling especially generous, then leave us a nice review and rating to help others find out about us too. 